Now, I want to start by telling you a story. It's a true story, and it happened back in the 1800s. A man by the name of Judson <clears throat> Deventer. Judson Deventer. He was born in 1855, and he got saved. He became a Christian, and he started to help out at his local church. He grew up, and he loved the Lord's work. He loved serving people. Uh, everyone thought that he'd be a great minister of the gospel, but he went through to be an art teacher. He was a very good artist, and he loved art. And so at one day during the church service, he was sitting there during the preaching, and he really felt God calling him to full-time service. But Judson didn't know what to do because he had this promising art career. Or should he be a, a missionary or pastor and evangelist? He didn't know. And so God kept calling. And for five long years, Judson kept holding out, holding back. So finally, he could take it no more. He felt God was calling him to full-time service. So he entered the service of the Lord and he was greatly used of God. And he wrote a hymn that depicts that moment when he made this full surrender of his life to the Lord. And the title of his hymn was, I Surrender All. And it's 153 in your hymn book. Open up your hymn book right now, and Brother Ellie's going to come and lead us in one verse. You can keep your seats as we sing. Hi, my name is Sylvester Strau. I was born and raised in the Philippines. I graduated at Don Baptist Seminary last 2013 in Iloilo City, Philippines. I moved to Canada back uh, on March 2016. Before I became a staff of Grace Baptist Church, I was working as uh, an alarm technician and later on became one of the repair and installation of TELUS for more than a year. And I knew that that is not the calling of God for me. But God answered my prayer on July 2017 uh, when Pastor White called me through phone and asked me if I wanted to be one of the staff of Grace Baptist Church. And I've gladly received it because for me that's my calling to be in the full-time ministry. My primary roles uh, in Grace Baptist Church is basically uh, just overseeing the Bible College and also the college and career young adults. I really don't know about the specifics to where God is leading me in the future, but right now God is leading me to be a strong support to the leadership of Grace Baptist Church. My name is Deviant Sundararaja. I was born in Sri Lanka to a Buddhist mom and a Hindu dad. Uh, we came to Canada when I was six years old. We moved to Quebec at first, and then when I was 13, we moved to British Columbia. It was when I was 17 that Grace Baptist Church reached out to our family. At first, my brother came to uh, the VBS uh, for Polar Extremes. We were already going to a uh, church, a Sri Lankan church that was uh, Pentecostal, but uh, we were never shown the gospel until we came to Grace Baptist Church in uh, 2011. And I got saved in Grace Baptist Church on April 27th, 2011. A couple of months later in teen camp, I felt the Lord 
calling me into a full-time ministry. A year later, again at teen camp, the Lord uh, directed me to uh, visit Sri Lanka to witness to my relatives. While I was in Sri Lanka, uh, the Lord got a hold of my heart and uh, He finally called me into uh, full-time service as a missionary to Sri Lanka. Just a few months later, after I came back from that trip, Pastor White had it in his heart to start uh, BC Baptist College. I joined in. It was during my sophomore year, Pastor White came up to me and uh, offered me the staff position in, uh, that was available at Grace Baptist Church. And I, uh, I took the job without, uh, without thinking twice. From there on, uh, I was able to complete uh, the two last years of my Bible college and finally uh, graduate with my bachelor's in biblical studies. Up until now, the burden on my heart is to become a missionary to Sri Lanka. But until then, I feel the Lord would have me here to uh, get ready for that mission field and uh, perhaps even get married along the way and get ready for deputation. I do think we have good movies here in, in Grace Baptist Church. I'd, I'd like to uh, call uh, Devian and Silver uh, up here now, please. So, uh, gentlemen, if you would come up here. And I want you all to know this is not an ordination service. This is a recognition service, and there's a difference. For some years now, we've had our eyes on uh, both these men, and uh, we've, of course, come to love them and appreciate them, but we are recognizing in them what God has, has, has already done and that is uh, called them to a full-time service. I'd like to call upon our deacons to come now at this time uh, and join us. And where is Pastor Tim? Come on up here as well and get in on this. And we're going to, um, we're going to have some prayer and we're going to give these men over to the Lord. Now, after today, from this point forward, it would really help um, if you could call them Pastor Devian, Pastor Silver. Um, now, that's going to be difficult for some of us because uh, we've known them years, you know, a certain way. But in so doing, what we're doing is we're honoring the Lord's call in their life. Uh, I heard something many years ago, and I think it's true that when a young man uh, gets into the ministry, people call him pastor by faith. There's some truth to that. But uh, we've already had years of benefit. We as a church, we can see that God's hand is upon these, these men. And we're so excited that God brought them to our little church. And uh, let's pray for them now and uh, really commit them into the Lord's hands for future service. So, gentlemen, you step up here, would you please? All right. And if you fellows would like to come in a little bit and you can, yeah, just put your hand up there on them and... We'll pray together now. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two men. They are precious in our sight. We love them day and night. And we thank you for sending them our way. Lord, we pray for their ministries that you would blossom and bloom and bring forth fruit. Lord, that they can render to you <clears throat> for your honor and for your glory. Please give them the wisdom they need. We pray that you'd bless them physically with good health and strength, that you'd meet their financial needs, and that as a church, they would always uh, feel our, <clears throat> our love, our appreciation. And uh, Lord, please uh, help us to be able to honor these men now as you have 
honored us with them and called them to full-time service. Lord, we commit them into your hands and we dedicate them to you for your service here at Grace Baptist Church. So from this point forward, Lord, we uh, want to give you the praise and the glory and thanks for Pastor Devian, for Pastor Silver. Please uh, bless them to our church, to our hearts. Help us to be a blessing to them. And we'll thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. Thank you. With your Bible open at Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. The title of the message is, I Sought for a Man. I thought this was appropriate in the light of our recognition service and recognizing that God has these two men now as pastors in our church. I thought it appropriate that we look at this in verse 30. I sought for a man. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to touch our hearts today. Our Heavenly Father, we humble ourselves once more before your mightiness, your sovereignty, your throne. Lord, we know we may come boldly, for you bid us come in prayer. And we ask you, Lord, please to have your own perfect way in every heart here. Lord, for those that know you as Savior, if they died, they'd be in heaven. For, for these ones, Lord, we pray that you would get a hold of their hearts and help them to see that living for this world is meaningless and is a waste. And only what's done for Christ will last. For those here today who may not have yet received Jesus as their Savior, and if they died, they would not be in heaven, they would be in hell. Lord, press upon them the need that just because someone else is saved won't get them in. And there is no sense in putting off this decision, for we have no guarantee that we'll be here tomorrow. Lord, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, bless this message and get to yourself glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I understand history, I can say historically, whenever sin has pressed its way to the forefront of human behavior and wickedness rises rampant, what happens is it triggers the absolute purity and holiness and justice of Almighty God. God becomes offended and the wrath of God begins to rise. Now bear something in mind that God could easily wipe out a person, a family, a city, a nation, or a world steeped in sin. He would be perfectly, perfectly just in doing so. Sometimes I almost think the courts of heaven would rise and give him a standing ovation. We live in a wicked world. But this I've learned, before God uses wrath, he always uses grace. Did you know we are living in a day of grace? Did you know that? God's wrath is not here yet. It's, it's coming. It, it, it hasn't fallen upon the world yet. The time of tribulation is not the time where Satan pours out his wrath. The time of tribulation is the time where God pours out his wrath upon the earth. And those days will make these days seem like the good old days. And the call has never been more solemn and serious. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Before God uses wrath, he uses grace. 
And it seems historically that when there's been a tremendous problem with sin, God has always sought for a man. When the wickedness of the world grew absolutely out of control, God sought for a man and found him in the man of Noah. You know the story. When the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah rose to heaven, God sought for a man and found him in Abraham. When the pride and arrogancy and wickedness of Egypt and their oppression over the Jews finally reached the, the nostrils of Almighty God, he sought for a man, and that man was Moses. When Israel fell to idolatry and to fornication, he sought for a man, and that man was Phineas. And even again, once and again, when Israel fell into wickedness and sin and the wrath of God was upon the camp of Israel and people were dying, he sought for a man and that man was Aaron who took a censer and in it uh, he put the holy incense and he ran and he stood literally between the living and the dead. God always looks for a man. You say, but that was yesterday. All these, these things are old. Does God still need a man to stand in the gap today between his wrath and man's sin? And I suggest to you, yes, he does. Yes, such men are still very much needed today. In fact, I suggest we need them more today than they did in Ezekiel's day. Now take a look at this with me in this chapter. We'll look at a couple of verses and I want you to see the condition of things in Ezekiel's day. And you tell me if that doesn't sound something like what we're going through here today. Look at verse 25. It says, there is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof like roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They've taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Now the prophets are spoken in verse 25. These were the preachers, the proclaimers of God's word. They were greedy. They were ruthless. They cared not for God's people. Their sin had the wildest influence for evil. They were in the ministry to make money. Filthy lucre. They made widows by sending men to war against the will of God. They preached sermons that were useless. They preached reveling and not repentance. They preached pleasure and not purity. They preached carnality and not conviction and consecration. What good is it to go sit under the teaching of some deeper life deadhead if it never challenges you to live a godly life and challenges you to win lost souls to Christ? What good is it to go and sit under that kind of ministry? Verse 26, we see now the priests. It says, her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths and I am profaned among them. The priests were the spiritual shepherds of God's people. And instead of teaching and upholding the law, of God and the word of God they try to blot out any difference between the good and the bad things weren't black and white anymore they were just all gray sin wasn't called sin anymore therefore the people stopped loving and honoring God and God's holy Sabbath wasn't so holy anymore boy doesn't that sound something like today it was only a few years ago when we gave up the the Sunday shopping laws and we gave ourselves over to shopping 
and we opened up the stores all for the sake of money. God's people were profaning God's holy name even. Verse 27 speaks of the princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. The princes were the politicians of the day. Human life was amazingly cheap in their eyes. Their own personal interests outweighed every other consideration and they were out to make money. Verse 28, we're back again, look at this, to the prophets. I think they were so bad that they're mentioned again. But the prophets are mentioned in verse 28. It says the prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar. If you've ever tried to lay bricks, and if, you, if your mortar isn't right, those bricks will not stay. I know because I did it. Many years ago, I built a small wall and I didn't use proper mortar. And I went out and listened carefully with a garden hose. I blew that wall down. This is after several days of it hardening. So I know a little bit about daubing with untempered mortar. It says, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. These people, they made up lies. They told people maybe what they only wanted to hear. Paul spoke of them in the New Testament and said that in the last days, perilous times shall come. He says, men shall be lovers of their own selves, having itching ears. They want their ears tickled. They want to be told nice stories and sugar-coated this and that. They're not getting the word of God. The prophets back in Ezekiel's day didn't care that they had no factual proof for what they said. They would stand up and say, thus saith the Lord when the Lord never spoke. We've got religious meetings today that are going on and people are standing up in the midst of religious meetings saying, thus saith the Lord, and God has not spoken. In fact, uh, what they say doesn't even come from the Bible. You know, God has already spoken. If you're fortunate enough to own a Bible, a King James Bible, you're holding a golden treasure in your hands. You're holding the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. God has spoken. God is not giving fresh revelation today. In some churches, they stand up and they say, well, God has a new message for his people and for this land. No, God has an old message for his people and for this land. And they go on to sound like, this is amazing, churches that use NIV and use all the modern versions, yet when their people stand up, they say, thus saith the Lord, and they sound like King James. I've never been able to figure that out. Why they try and sound like King James when they're giving their prophecies, and yet they would never read the King James. They would use NIV and NASB and M-I-C, K-E-Y. They... <laughs> They use everything else. Beware of anything that doesn't come from the Bible. Would you remember that? Beware of anything that doesn't come from the Bible. We've got a lot of weird stuff being said today that has no Bible basis. Now we get to verse 29, and finally we get to the people themselves. It says, The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery. They have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Well, where do they learn all of that? I suggest to you that they learned it from the prophets, the priests, and the princes. 
That's where they learned it from. The people were just simply following the wicked example set by their leaders. They used oppression and robbery to get what they wanted. Their moral standards were cast aside so that they could get more of what they wanted. Now, doesn't that sound something like the world today? Doesn't it sound a little bit like what we're going through? Because it does to me. The TV preachers are becoming millionaires. The ministers of churches are watering down the Bible. They're throwing out the King James and watering down even what they've got. They throw doubt on God's word. They use rock music to build themselves a crowd. When they talk about missions, all they're talking about is sending their young people away on a two-week holiday to some third world country so that they can help paint buildings or plant corn or something like that. Our politicians, and I hate to say this because I love Canada, our politicians seem more interested in feathering their own nests and scandals are common in political circles today. The greed of big business has learned, has refined the art of squeezing people of all their savings and they are so addicted to it they can't stop. They cannot stop with the greed. Radio ads are telling us to go mortgage our home so we can go deeper into debt. The average man today has no time for God, no interest in God, and he's greedy for money and pleasure. World conditions today are such as the world is now standing on the very brink of another world war. That is where we find ourselves today. And I'm telling you that today God is still looking for men who will stand in the gap between man's wickedness and God's wrath. Men who will raise a standard of godliness and call people back to God. I told you earlier about Judson Deventer and how he held out on God for five years and finally he surrendered all and he wrote to tell about it. I'm so thrilled to be able to stand on a platform with Pastor Deviant and Pastor Silver, men who God has called and they have surrendered to that call and we recognize that in them and we need men and women today who will live for Jesus Christ not just on the mission field but in their homes folks we need godly men and women to make godly homes and in their workplace so that at least their cubicle at work has some of God in it and to let their light shine and to stay the almighty hand of God's judgment against our nation. I'll tell you something. One reason I believe that God doesn't close down more businesses is because there's a Christian working there. And that Christian depends upon the income of that business for their livelihood. But let that Christian be let go or fired, and you may find that the wrath of God will fall upon that business, just as if it were Sodom and Gomorrah. God is not bound and beholden to uphold every business. There are so many wicked men and women uh, running businesses today. But I believe that God is still looking for men and women today. You say, what kind of men and women? Number one, God is looking for spiritual leaders in the home. Spiritual leaders in the home. Now, turn to the New Testament, would you please, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians in chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now these verses are directed mainly at the husbands. But wives are part of the leadership of the home as well. In Ephesians chapter 5, 
Please look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as, and here's the standard, as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Now that's the word of God that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, there's an analogy there between the home and the church. I've told you before that I believe with all my heart that the relationship between a pastor and his people at church is similar to the relationship between a husband and wife in the home. And when both does the will of God, you have a little piece of heaven on earth. They get along great. That's why we need to uphold one another in prayer. But back to the husbands, whom God has made the head of the home, they will be the ones standing. There's no husband that's allowed to stand behind his wife and say, well, Lord, I would have taken the lead, but she wouldn't let me. That doesn't work with God. And husbands are to learn how to love their wives the same way Christ loves his church. And if you ever wonder, well, how am I as a husband to love my wife? You think of how Christ loves his church and how he gave himself for it and how he used the the word of God like water that he might wash it and purify it. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. There's a love story right there. Amen to that. God is looking for spiritual leaders in the home, men who will bring about family devotions, men who will take a stand and say, family, it's time for prayer. Even if the family isn't quite sure, there needs to be a man in the home that says, family, it's time to seek the Lord. We need to have the Bible here. We need to read it and pray. They need to love and nurture their children in the ways of God and not let the world and the school and the flesh and the devil do all that. They need to take the lead. When God has blessed you with children, you've got an awesome responsibility for the rest of your life. Don't think your job as a parent is over. You know, when you leave the home or when the child goes to school, no, you have a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year job as the parent. You will never outgrow being mom or dad. And when the child grows to 18 and 20, your job's still not over. And for the rest of your life, you'll be dad, you'll be mom, and you ought to be because that's God's design. If God has so blessed you with children, it's an awesome responsibility. And don't take it lightly. It's a scary thing because parents will give account to how they raise their kids. It will happen. Like pastors give account to how they build the church and how they pastor the church, parents will give account for how they raise their their children. So it's a scary thing. It's an awesome thing. But there's blessings. There's wonderful blessings. To be able to raise a whole generation of people that love God, that can stand on their feet for Jesus Christ. Wow. You'll get heaven's accolades. Jesus himself will stand for you. Oh, yes. Yes. God is looking for spiritual leaders in the home particularly husbands or dads that will faithfully bring the family to church services and, can I say, be here on time? If ever you wonder what time the church service starts, you can always go online or you can ask me and I'll let you know. Trying to be a little humorous there. I'm not succeeding very well. I realize that. But uh, what are you going to do if it rains again next Sunday? Uh, You're going to go to church. 
What are you going to do if it starts to snow? Now, I'm not talking about 10 feet of snow, and I'm not talking about Hurricane Florence. I'm talking about normal weather conditions. What's the devil going to do to keep you away from church? By the way, if you're sick with a flu or a cold, you ought to stay home. You really, honestly, you ought to. And, you know, keep your germs at home and overcome it and then come back to church. You can always watch online. That's what it's for. The online ministry has never been... We we don't go to all that time and trouble and expense and heartache and everything else you can think of just so that Christians can stay away from church. By no means. You need to come. You need to be with God's people. There's nothing like being here. And if Jesus should come back on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, boy, won't you feel funny if you're off in McDonald's while Jesus comes back for his church? Will I miss it? No, if you're saved, he'll bring you. Don't worry. But it's far better to be where, you know, grouped together as a church. But it takes a spiritual leader to do that. You see what I'm talking about? You don't have to be a missionary in far-flung corners of the world. You don't have to be a pastor standing behind the, the pulpit of a, of a great church. You just need to be willing to be a leader in home because God needs you to be a leader at home. If you don't take the lead, you default. And I'll tell you, the devil is wanting everyone to default. That's what he's wanting. Don't let, don't let that happen. God is looking for spiritual leaders in the home who will faith, be faithful in tithing and faith promise for missions. God sought for a man. I'm asking you this question. Is there one here today who will say, I will be that man. I will be that spiritual leader in my home. God is still looking for men today. Number two, he's looking for ministry helpers in the church. If you turn uh, just back a couple of pages to Galatians and chapter 5, you'll see this. Galatians and chapter 5, and it says in verse 13, Galatians 5 and 13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, here it is, by love serve one another. Serve one another. Paul wrote of this in another way in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12. He called it the work of the ministry. And it was God's people that were to do the work of the ministry. Don't feel that because we got a few pastors on staff that, oh, we'll just let them do all of the work of the ministry. That's not how it works. The, the job of the pastors is to help the people so that they are able to do the work of the ministry. Who can do more work, one man or a hundred men? What do you think? Give you time to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's strength in numbers. That's God's design. And it's just like a family. You've got mom and dad, and they get things rolling. Then you get, you know, Junior and Missy and Billy Bob and Wink and Blink and a Nod and so on, and all the kids there, and that's great. But then at some point, then the kids start getting involved, and they start helping, running things in the home, getting family business done. That's God's design. It's not God's design that the kids just do nothing, let mom do everything for them, let dad do everything for them, and they just come and do their own thing and play their video games and blah, 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 and they come and they go and eat and whatever they want. No, it's God's design for them to get involved. That's how they learn character for when they grow up and they start families. Likewise, in the local church, it's not God's design for pastors to do everything. It's God's design for everyone to do everything. 
There's a job for everyone, I'm happy to say. And I believe God is looking for ministers that will help in the church. Listen to this. Men and women who are not afraid to clean the church. Many years ago, one, two buildings ago, we've, we've been in a few buildings now in our 19 years, but two buildings ago, we had a man in our church and he had come for a month or two and he seemed like a, you know, a good fellow. And I, I told him, listen, we've got, we got some need of some ushers. Would you like to help as an usher? And he told me in no uncertain terms that that was beneath him. God hadn't called him to do that. He wanted a leadership role. Well, a couple months later, he got his nose out of joint and he quit the church and took off. God is looking for men and women of humility. People who are not afraid to get on the other end of a vacuum cleaner or a broom or a mop. We had some young people here helping this morning with the umbrellas and they would uh, run outside with the umbrellas and open them up and uh, escort people in. How many got escorted in this morning with an umbrella? Uh, look at all of the hands. Yeah, praise the Lord for the umbrella brigade. But how many of us, when we got in, thought ourselves to get an umbrella and go help someone else? You see what I'm saying? Oh, they'll do it. Let them do it. I don't know if that's the best attitude. I wonder if we ought to have an attitude, well, I'm here, what can I do? How can I help? You know, you don't have to be a member of the church to get involved with some ministries and help. You don't have to be a deacon at Grace Baptist Church to help at the end of a broom or a, a vacuum or something like that. And God is looking for men and women that have a heart to help ministry helpers, people who will take charge and keep the auditorium looking good and the pews and so on. There's some garbage on the floor. We'll pick it up. Oh, uh, that's beneath me. Uh, there's someone else here that'll do that. No, you do it. You're the one that saw it. You do it. You help it up. Help put it up. They say, uh, how do those rules go out of the home? Uh, if, if you take it, put it back. Uh, if you open it up, close it up. If you make a mess, wash it up, clean it up, that sort of thing. We all do our part. You know, I don't know what goes on in the counter, the sink and counter in the ladies' room, but I know in the men's room, sometimes I walk in there and it's like Hurricane Florence. Some guys go in there and they slap these things on, water all over the place, and they shut them off, and then they grab three or four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten towels, whatever, and they leave one or two on the floor. They throw them in the garbage. And they leave a mess for the next guy. And I'll tell you, when visitors walk in, you know, that's the first thing that visitors notice, the things out of place. A visitor comes in our church, walks in right after who knows who's been in there, walks in, what is going on here? You know, and I don't, I don't want to get, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, it's, it's not vulgar, it's another word. Um, not profane, it's, uh, uh, well, let's just call it very common. I don't want to get very common here, but uh, sometimes people leave things behind that should not be left behind. And so let's take it upon ourselves to keep God's house looking good. And you know what? God is looking for men and women who will do that kind of ministry. 
It takes a certain humility. I read about uh, a wealthy couple that attended a church in, in the States. No, I didn't read, but I heard about it. A preacher, an evangelist told me about this. He was in that church and uh, this wealthy couple, well-dressed after the service was over and people were leaving, uh, he took off his jacket. She put on some rubber gloves and they started going in and cleaning the washrooms and the toilets. And he asked them, he says, wow, he says, you know, this is, this is a great ministry you're doing. And they stopped and they says, well, you know, God has blessed us in life. And uh, we, uh, we really have far more than what we deserve. He's really blessed us. And we talked about this and prayed about it. And we thought that the way that we want to show our appreciation to God was to take jobs that no one else wanted. And they humbled themselves. And that's how they served the Lord. You know, God is looking for heroes like that today. Men and women will take ministry kind of, kind of jobs. God is looking for members who will serve as greeters and ushers and listen, to take a van and help build the bus ministry. Wow, if you're interested in building the bus ministry, I want you to go talk to Tadala. He's our guy right now that's trying to build that bus ministry. Go talk to him. God is looking for people who will take a turn to help feed hungry Bible college students. Did you know that? Bible college students preparing themselves to serve the Lord. Get hungry. And we need people to go on a rotational basis to provide lunches. Feed the hungry. How about that? You don't have to give your money to Oxfam. You don't have to give your money to those World Vision people who come door to door. A lot of them aren't even saved. Help God's people. God sought for a man. I'm wondering if there's one here, a man or a woman, that would say that I'll be that one. And number three, I'd like you to turn back to the book of Acts and we're done. The book of Acts, chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. God is not only looking for spiritual leaders in the home. He's not only looking for minister, ministry helpers in the church. But God is looking for Christians who can help other people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Look at chapter 1 of Acts, verse 8. But ye shall receive power... After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And if you're ever wondering where Jerusalem is, if you look over here to this wall, it's got a new name. It's called Surrey. That's our Jerusalem right there. And God is still looking for men and women who will help him to help others come to know Christ as Savior. Folks, that's why I think you need to join Soul Winners University. Come and get the training. If you've never taken it before, it'll cost you $10. If you're broke, you've got no money, come and see me. I'll let you take it for free. If you're an alumni, you've already taken uh, the fall course. It won't cost you $10. It'll only cost you $5 because you've already got some of the materials. All the money does is cover materials, but the thing is, you'll have so much fun training and learning how to let your light shine. And God is looking for men, women, and young people. I'll tell you something. We have a little boy, a little boy, and he's less than 10 years of age, and he asked if he could come and learn to be a soul winner. A little boy. And I said, he sure can. He sure can. So where does that leave the rest of the boys, the older boys? Oh, folks, please, 
Take it before the Lord. If you don't believe me, take it before the Lord and ask him, Lord, do you want me to get trained how to be a soul winner? If you do, show me. Show me, give me some kind of indication. And you pray day after day after day. And if God says, no, I don't want you to learn how to win souls. I don't want you to be part of Soul Winners University. He puts a coldness, a coolness on your heart. There's your answer. But I'll tell you, the devil is going to hear that prayer too. You know what the devil's going to do? He's going to have your boss offer you some extra overtime at work on Saturday mornings for the next six weeks so that you can't come. He's going to do that kind of thing to you. He's going to have uh, some nice weather and he's going to have someone invite you to go play golf or go shopping or go down into the States touring or something. And you're going to get these little things pop up. But as you pray and you say, Lord, should I be part of this? Should I go and get the training? You look for the peace on your heart. That's what you look for. I believe that God is still looking for men and women, people who will invite others to church, people who will offer them a little Bible study. Please sign up today. Why is it that we often leave undone the most important business in all the world? God sought for a man and he's still looking. And I'm wondering if there's someone here today that'll say, I'll be that man or I'll be that woman. I'm going to present myself and see if God can use me. Now, this church has many needs, but I think maybe our greatest need, and don't miss this, listen carefully, our greatest need is for Christians who will rise to the challenge and start to spend more time alone with God every day in prayer. And there's a challenge. And that one, I know God, the job openings are endless. God is calling every Christian man, woman, and young person to spend more time with Him every day in prayer. Come faithfully to the prayer meeting on Sunday morning at 9.30. Learn how to beg God for his mighty power in your home and in your ministry and in our church. Why? So that lives will be reached for Christ, so that hearts can be transformed by the preaching of God's word. God sought for a man. I'm wondering, is there one here today that says, I want to be that man? I want to be that man. Maybe God will never call you to a full-time service. Maybe he'll never call you to be a missionary or a pastor. But I know he's calling and he's looking for men who will be spiritual leaders, be ministry helpers, and be soul winners. He is definitely looking for men and women today. Who will answer that call? But I want to tell you this and I'm done. I want to tell you of another man whom God is searching for today. And that's the man who's lost in sin. The man who, if he died, he wouldn't be in heaven. He'd open his eyes in a place called hell. You see, when the problem of sin first came to earth, it was in the Garden of Eden, and mankind fell into sin. You know this story. And God needed a man, but he needed a perfect man, one that could bridge the gap between mankind and God. He needed what is called a mediator. No ordinary man would do for this job. This man had to be absolutely perfect. He had to be both God and man at the same time. And Jesus Christ is that man. Jesus entered this sin-cursed world clothed in human flesh. He lived a perfect life, absolutely free from sin. And when the right time came, he was crucified on the cross. And it was there that he did his best work between man and God. On the cross, Jesus died 
for man's sin. And now whosoever will may be saved. The door is still open. It's like Noah's ark. The door is still open. But did you know there's coming a time when that door will close? It will close. It will happen. Man right now no longer need be separated from God. The way of the cross leads home. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Amen. And he is here with us today. We have some people that came once to this church who would never come again because they felt that there was something different about this church. Well, that something different was Jesus. He's here amongst his people and they couldn't handle that and they took off. Men can now be reunited with God by repentance from sin and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand to your feet for prayer? Perhaps your heart has been touched by this simple message, I sought for a man. Let's bow our heads, please, and close our eyes.